In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Meaning depends a great deal on context. The meaning of a person crying out fire, for example, will vary widely depending on whether that person is running out of a burning building or commanding an artillery squadron or a child wonderstruck before a burning candle. So too in the context that we hear a passage of scripture read can suggest new avenues of interpretation. And this, I think, is the case for our gospel lesson, St. Mark's account of Christ's calling the disciples, read as we do today in the season of Epiphany. Reading this passage now in Epiphany, the season called Theophany by the Orthodox, the season focused on the manifestation of God in Christ, suggests a certain set of questions, which we might not ask if we had heard it read another time of year. And I want to pursue some of those questions with you this morning. What does the call of the disciples reveal about Jesus? How is this gospel episode also a theophany? Notice first how St. Mark's account emphasizes the authority of Christ's summons. In contrast to St. John's account, on which Father Marsh preached so well last week, in St. Mark, everything happens all at once. Jesus suddenly shows up one day, and without any previous interaction, calls Simon and Andrew and James and John, and they follow him. Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and followed him. It's a familiar scene to us, but just stop and think for a moment about how astonishing it is. Jesus simply appears and speaks a few words, and without any hesitation whatsoever, they leave everything, their living, their families, and follow him. What is it about Jesus that commands such obedience? What is it about him that makes his summons so compelling? Just put yourself in the place of Simon and Andrew, or James and John for a moment. Imagine that you're going about your daily business, maybe doing the laundry, or running errands, or sitting in a meeting, or playing bridge. And all of a sudden, a man shows up and looks at you and tells you to follow him. What would compel you to do so? What sort of person would you leave everything to follow? Now, the mere fact that the disciples followed Jesus doesn't by itself necessarily indicate anything, good or bad, about his character, does it? History is full of both good man and bad commanding a following. It was just in the news the other day about a suspected cult leader in Kenya on trial for having allegedly incited over 400 of his followers 
to starve themselves and their families to death. It's hard to imagine that anyone would follow such evil men, but they do. As Augustine said, the human heart is a vast deep. On the other hand, of course, we can all think of leaders who led their followers to more virtuous ends. I've been listening to a history podcast about the Battle of Trafalgar in the 19th century and its hero, Horatio Nelson, the Vice Admiral of the Royal Navy. And Nelson is something of a titanic figure in British history. Well, Nelson is a legendarily charismatic leader who inspired his men to gladly risk death for king and country. And yet somehow, I doubt that even a Lord Nelson would have led those Galilean fishermen to forsake all and follow him into the unknown. There's something more about Jesus' authority than that. What is it about Jesus that leads the disciples to heed his voice? I think that what is compelling about Jesus is his person, who he is. He speaks with divine authority. And I think this is what the call of the disciples reveals about him. When Jesus says, come ye after me, he speaks with the same authority that the Lord God speaks when he called Abraham, saying to him, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. In both cases, God speaks and his word is obeyed. When Jesus calls the disciples, they are addressed by the eternal word of God and they respond in the only appropriate way. Come ye after me, Jesus says. He speaks with the authority of God. It's the authority of his divine person that compels obedience. And the disciples' unhesitating obedience is the proper response to the voice of God, to the Holy One, the living God, the Lord of heaven and earth. I wonder, though, if I am as ready as they to heed the voice of Jesus. I wonder if we have anything like an adequate awareness of who he is, a sufficient reverence for his name, a sufficient reverence before the Lord of all, the living God, if we exhibit a holy fear of the Lord. In this connection, I'm reminded of a passage from the writer Annie Dillard. On the whole, she says, I do not find Christians outside the catacombs to be sufficiently sensible of conditions. Does anyone have the foggiest idea of the sort of power we so blithely invoke? The churches, she says, are children playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, mixing up a batch of TNT to kill a Sunday morning. She says that we should all wear crash helmets to church. The ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us into our pews. I wonder if we have a proper reverence for who Jesus is. Come ye after me, Jesus says. And they forsook their nets 
and followed him. Simon and Andrew's response to Jesus is paradigmatic. They show what St. Paul calls the obedience of faith. They give themselves up to Christ. They are no longer their own. And in this, they embody what C.S. Lewis once spoke of when he said, It is not so much of our time or so much of our attention that God demands. It is not even all of our time and all of our attention. It is ourselves. And again, Lewis says, What cannot be admitted, what, we must, what must exist only as an undefeated but daily resisted enemy, is the idea that there is something of our own, some area in which we are to be out of school, on which God has no claim. Lewis's words echo the words of St. Paul in our epistle, where he tells the Corinthians that regardless of their state of life, they belong to Christ, and so should live their lives accordingly. Ye are bought with a price, he tells them. And earlier he says to them, Ye are not your own, therefore honor God with your bodies. Ye are not your own. It is not so much of our time and so much of our attention that God demands. It is not even all of our time and all of our attention. It is ourselves. Come ye after me, Jesus said, and they forsook their nets and followed him. They forsook their nets and followed him. They repented and believed. They turned from one way of life to another. They left behind one vocation for another. They forsook what was their own, and they gave themselves up to Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, in whose service is perfect freedom. And they followed him in the way of the cross and found it to be none other than the way of life and peace. They turned the world upside down. They forsook their nets and followed him. What about you? What is it that Jesus is calling you to let go of in order to follow him? What nets in your life is he asking you to leave behind? Come ye after me, Jesus says. And these words are addressed today to you and to me. How will you respond to his call? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.